Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. I love, love, love December. I love Christmas. Uh, I, love, I, love, I love jumping into the Christmas story. Um, and so uh, it's, sometimes it's difficult because it's the same every year, right? And so, uh, but I love when God gives me something specific uh, to talk about that I think is fresh and, and different from something that I've talked about before uh, in, a, in, the, in the Christmas season. But I'm excited about the next few weeks. And so uh, we're going to call this sermon series A Taste of Heaven, A Taste of Heaven. Uh, how many of you know we have different senses? You guys know that? Put your hand up, right? And so uh, how many of you love, uh, favorite, favorite sense uh, is, is, is smelling, right? You might think that's mine because of my nose. And so smelling. And so uh, hearing. Hearing anybody hearing hearing uh, my favorite sense is uh, is is eating tasting right is anybody else like I I think tasting I, I googled like what's the most important sense that we have and you know it's up to debate but since it's my sermon uh, I think tasting is the most significant most significant sense that we have as humans I know that that that's not probably accurate. Uh, but I think tasting is significant. In fact, I started thinking about that in the context of just different experiences. Anybody ever been to the Hershey Chocolate Factory? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's a really cool experience. Like, I've done it many times in my life. A few years ago, we took our kids during Christmas season, and it's a really cool moment. We went and did the, the, paid $40 to make our own chocolate bars, and, you know, that was amazing. And so, uh, but going on the ride's really cool, and you go through, and, you, and they, they show you how they make they make the chocolate, so you see it, and then they, 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 they pipe in the smell, and so you, you, you smell it. You guys know what I'm talking about. But the coolest part of Hershey chocolate was when you get off the free ride, and they give you chocolate. Like, I, I feel like if they didn't give you something at the end of the ride, it would be like, okay. Like, it's like watching the, the, the Food Network. Like, you watch somebody cook, but you don't eat. You went to somebody's house for Thanksgiving, and you watched, right? Or you smelled it. No, you want to eat it, right? And so, like, I loved going there a few years ago, and they gave us uh, Oreo chocolate bars. You know what I'm talking about? Like, the ones that have Oreo made. Like, I think that's from heaven. And so, like, and we just got these bars. We went on a few times every time you get off, and you get to taste the, 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 the chocolate. And so I want to talk to you about this because I feel like a lot of people, um, they, they've seen, they see God, they, they see, you know, him in, in an experience and hear about God. But I don't know that a lot of Christians have tasted the goodness of God. And I think that, I think that that is a great uh, description of what Christmas is all about. In fact, we're doing this book as a staff on, on building emotional uh, health, being emotionally mature, being in touch with your, with your, your insides, right? And, which I'm not good at. In fact, I came back from, from two weeks away and Elliot tried to hug me this week. And I was like, what are you doing, man? Like, he's like, we're emotionally mature. I'm like, I'm not there. I didn't get to that chapter yet. And so let's fist pound, right? And so, but we're working on it. And in one of the chapters, it, it used this phrase, a taste of heaven. We're to give people a taste of heaven, which is just a reflection of why Jesus came to this earth. In fact, the Bible was really clear that we can physically have an experience with God that's equivalent to taste. Watch what it says in Psalm 63. It says, my soul will be satisfied with you as with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Psalms 119 reiterates this. It says, how sweet are your words to my taste. 
Like it's, it's, it's almost like I get to eat them sweeter than honey to my mouth. I love Psalms 34. This is where this actual title comes from. What does it say? It says, taste and see the Lord is good. Taste and see, experience the Lord. Blessed is the man who takes reference and re- refuge in him. Here's actually what the difference is. The difference between religion and Christianity is that you can physically, through Christ and his spirit, the Holy Spirit, experience God in a profound, powerful powerful way. It's a taste of heaven coming to earth. In fact, this is the, this is the, 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 the if you want to summarize Christmas, this is, this is the, the, the summarization of what Christmas is. You can read about it in, in the Bible, but it begins to describe to you what God is going to be like when, when he comes. In Matthew chapter 1, you read that, that, that she, Mary, is going to give birth to a son, and you're going to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. It's very, very simple. What's he coming to do? He's coming to save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which they want us to make sure we understand means God with us. God is physically going to come with us and become with us. And so what I want to do is I want to talk to you over the next few weeks about things that through Christ and the Holy Spirit that we're able to experience. We're not just learning it. We're not just seeing it from afar. We're not just studying somebody else's experience that we can actually experience God. And I got to be honest with you. I think for a lot of us, we've never, we've never had that. Like we just have never fully experienced the profound presence of God in, in our, in our lives and we don't come into church expecting this this experience with God that we kind of can just come and go through the motions and I, I know that's true because when I'm on vacation in Oklahoma we go to church and I'm just one of you those days like I just walk in and and I just get coffee and I look around and I critique stuff and I write stuff down and I, I just I'm just a person and I just go through the motions and then I often leave and I just think that's it I just sang a couple songs. I listened to this. I listened to a sermon on diversity. It was really good. I took a couple notes, and you just kind of leave. And I just think to myself, that can't be all. And it's not even a dig on the church because the church was a really good church that I was at. It was more uh, a, a reflection or a magnifier of who I am as a person. Like that's it. You just come. You sing a couple songs. Somebody yells at you. You hear a creepy announcement about staying in your seat like you're on a plane, and 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 you just leave. And we just you know get a cup of coffee. We'll see you next week. Like there has to be there has to be more. And that's the the message of Christmas that you can have a, a taste. Of heaven, and so I want to show you what the profound presence of of Jesus, what it gives us. We're going to talk about a few things over the next few weeks, but today I want to talk to you about the profound presence of God when He moves in your life in a powerful way. Now, here's my question: When is the last time that you experienced the power of God in your life? Not, not you read about something. When's the last time you walked on water? When's the last time? You've seen somebody get healed. When's the last time you prayed and God did what you prayed for? Like in a profound way. When's the last time somebody was sick? Let me pray for you. And they just weren't sick anymore. When's the last time that you were in the presence of God and he moved in a, such a profound way that you left there with clarity? Like you knew exactly what you were supposed to do in, in that moment. When's the last time that you came into the presence of God and in a powerful way, he changed you in, in an instance. When is the last time? Have you ever had that time? Remember when I was 18 years old, I had one of those moments that it was the first time I've ever experienced God like that. And I had 
seen God move and I had heard about God. My parents were faithful pastors and I'd watch people have experience with God. And, you know, I knew some of the Bible stories and I'm not going to say that I never felt God's presence in my, in my life, but the very first time that I can tell you that God moved in my life in a powerful way was when I was 18 years old. I've shared this story before because I think it's the moment that I actually got saved. Like, so I grew up in church, but I was never saved. You guys know that could happen? You can be in church every Sunday and not know Jesus. It's, it's, the Bible's really clear. Like a lot of us are going to stand before, before God. It's really sobering. And we're going to say, we prophesied in your name and we, we sung. We were on the worship team and, and, and I preached. And, I did those things and we're going to hear, depart from me. You never, I never knew you. Why didn't I know you? Well, you, I was sick. You didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't help me. I was thirsty. You didn't give me a drink. I was cold. You didn't clothe me. Like you, you didn't live for me. You went to church. You, you knew church, but you didn't know you didn't know me. And I would tell you, until I was 18 years old, I, I knew of God, but I never really had an experience with Jesus that had changed my life to the point where it changed me as a person. That's how you know you met Jesus. So I was 18 years old. I went to this thing called Youth Convention. Youth Convention. It was a gathering of thousands of teenagers uh, in the Hershey Arena, the Pepsi Center, whatever it's called now, where thousands of teenagers from all over Pennsylvania and Delaware would come for two days, and uh, we would have church and, and, and learn about God and, you know, get, get preached at and hang out with our friends and just have a good, good time. And I go, went every year, but I went to see girls. <laughs> tracking with me. Like, we didn't have tons of pretty girls in my church, in my opinion, but Youth Convention had lots of pretty girls from all over Pennsylvania. So I, I, I signed up and I went and I always had a plan. Let me find, let me find the girls. And so, uh, which is not good motivation and, and something that God needed to work out in my life. And so, but I was 18 years old. I went to my last youth convention. This youth convention, I had a girlfriend. So I had a different goal. My, my goal was, hey, I want to meet up with her. She wasn't from my church. She was from a different church. And so what a great opportunity to spend two days away from home and, you know, find some, find some uh, good quality time with my girlfriend. I know I'm going to go to church and whatever. God's going to be there. But I can't wait to see my girlfriend. So we came with this plan. It was pre-cell phones. This is how long ago this was. And our plan was, hey, during the altar call, if you don't know what the altar call is, you weren't Pentecostal, right? But an altar call is at the end of every sermon, you give people a chance to respond by coming down front. Some kneel, some get slain in the spirit, some cry, some worship. People get prayed for. Powerful things happen at, at the altar. And so everybody would, would, would get preached at and they would start playing music. Uh, they would have everybody that wanted to come forward. They would pray for them. And I made a plan with her when they start playing the music, you know how they're going to play it. We're going to head out the steps and we're going to meet at the, you know, Annie Ann's concession stand, right? And we're going to hang out during that. And so the very first day we did that. The music started playing. I acted like I needed to go to the bathroom. I walked up the stairs and I pieced out of that joint. I met her. We talked for a while. Next day was a morning service. I wasn't listening. It was morning. And so I walked up the steps. I met her the next service. It was the third service, I believe. I remember it like it was yesterday. The plan was still in place. They're going to, they're going to preach. Whatever he's going to say is fine. I'm going to go see my girlfriend. And uh, the music started playing. I don't even know what he, what he preached. I know the guy's name. His name was Johnny Jernigan. He preached a message. I don't know what it was on. I was trying to go see my girlfriend. I started heading up the steps, and I remember it like it was yesterday. As I was heading up the steps, it was like God was like, enough's enough, idiot. And he stopped me in my tracks, and I remember as I was walking physically, my body just, it just stopped, and I just ended up just stopping and, and sitting, and I felt, I felt something I'd never felt before. 
Now I know it was the presence of God. Tears started streaming down my face. And for the very first time, I believe I started praying in a way that was connecting with the spirit of God in a raw and real way. Not like a, a prayer for, for, for your meal. You know what I'm talking about? We have kids. You're like, let's pray. They're like, dear Jesus, bless his food. Thank you for this good day. Amen. That's my kid's prayer every night. I'm like, we got to go deeper, man. Like, we didn't even have a good day. We're not praying for a good day. And this isn't even good food, right? And so let's pray something else. Like, that, that was my experience with God. God, like very shallow, seeing from a distance, hearing about things. That was my senses with God. Like I, I knew him, but I never experienced him. And for that moment, 18 years old, on the steps of that arena, I felt God. He changed me in that moment. He called me. I remember saying these words, God, whatever you want to do with my life, you can, you can do it. Like you can, you can use me. I started praying. I, I remember even in that moment, praying kind of in the spirit. I didn't even know what I was saying, but God was giving me words to speak. And in that, I'll tell you, in that moment, I experienced the profound power of the living God. To me, it was a taste of heaven that dramatically changed me forever. And I got to tell you something. When you experience God's power, you want more of it. When is the last time that you experience more than you, you see somebody else, you read a story, you, you hear. When's the last time you experienced the power of God in your life? And here's what's interesting. You can be in a room like this with all sorts of different people, and some of us can experience it, and others of us won't. Some of us can experience the power of God. Some of us can come into a service and be like, that was, there was nothing there. I didn't feel anything. Meanwhile, somebody else walking out going, my life has been forever changed because of the power of God. And so I want to show you a story in Scripture about somebody who experienced the power of God in the midst of a large crowd. The Bible says this in Mark chapter number, number, number five. It's one of my favorite stories in scripture, and I'm going to show you why in a second. The Bible says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, fell at his feet. There, if you have a Bible, if you're a Bible app person, if you're a note taker, you should just highlight that because that's an important position when you're seeking the presence of God. He fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with them, my little daughter is dying. Please come put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with them. The Bible says a large crowd followed, followed and pressed around. I want you to picture this. I don't know if you've ever been around uh, somebody famous, but this is just a natural reaction to people when they see somebody famous. I, I don't know how else to explain it other than the one experience I've had with an extremely famous band called NSYNC. I was, I was 19 years old. I worked at a place called Spaghetti Warehouse in, 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 in Dallas. Right across from Spaghetti Warehouse was Planet Hollywood. And this little uh, uh, ascending band called NSYNC was showing up. And waiting for them was thousands of 13 to 16-year-old girls. I parked my car in the typical parking lot. And I tried to get through this sea of girls, which would have been a dream for me back in, you know, my 13 to 16 year old days, but it felt like hell when I was 19 years old. I was like, I don't know what to do. And, and they showed up and he's just, and they're just screaming and they're pushing around and you're literally getting moved in an organic way, right? To the thing, this is what this feels like. Jesus comes around, everybody starts pressing in on Jesus. And the Bible says there was a woman there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. In this crowd, there was a woman she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Now, I want to paint the picture uh, because you're the 930 service, and so for the 8 o'clock service, I get the PG, right? And so the 11 o'clock service, I'm going full, you know, all right? But, all right? And so, but I just want you to understand what's going on here. Um, she has a problem. 
she's, she's bleeding from an area that you do not want to bleed other than once a month if you're a woman of that age. Are you tracking with me? This wasn't on your, your flannel board at, at, at your Sunday school thing, right? <laughs> or whatever it was. Like they, they didn't show this, right? This is, this is biblically, you can study, this is what's wrong with her. She, she started having a menstrual cycle and it never stopped. For, tw- for a decade and two years. She, she bled. She went to every doctor she could go to to try to get help. She took oils. She, 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 she did. She, she read. She went to therapy. She, 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 she did exercises. She, she had her Aunt, Aunt Susan giving her books, right? Like she, 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 went, to, she, went, she went on Dr. Phil. Like she did everything she could possibly do. The Bible says that no matter what she did, she just got worse. You ever been in a situation like that? I was on vacation and I got this breakout on my forehead. It might still be there. I don't know. But it started breaking out of my forehead. And no matter what I did, it got worse. I'm like, am I hitting puberty again? What's going on? I tried everything. I got frankincense. And I'm like, if it's good enough for Jesus, I'm good enough for my head. It just made it worse. Everything was just worse. Like everything she did, it just got worse. So she presses into Jesus. The Bible says when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. And she just, what'd she do? She just snuck in and she touched his cloak. She thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. If I just get to church, if I just get in his presence, if I just lift up my hands, if, I, if I'm just faithful, God, God will do what he says he's going to do. If I can just touch him, he don't even have to recognize me. And the Bible says immediately her bleeding stopped and she left. She felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. I love this part. He says he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? Who touched me? To which one of his disciples, the Bible says, now you don't know from this, this, this book, but if you read Luke, his account, he lets us know it's Peter. It's always Peter, right? If you read scripture and you want to find the screw up, it's Peter every time. The Bible says Peter looks at him and he says, he says, Jesus, you see the crowd around you? Everybody's touching us. They're putting their hands on places that they should not be putting their hands on, Jesus. Everybody's touching you. He says it in a sarcastic way, but what does Jesus say? The Bible says that Jesus recognizes that the, that the woman touches the woman touched him. And the Bible says the woman comes up in verse number 33. Knowing what had happened to her, she came and fell at, at Jesus' feet and trembled with fear and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, Everybody else is pressing into Jesus at this point. But it's only one woman's touch that he, that he recognizes. Everybody else is there, but it's only one woman's touch. How does she experience the presence of God? And here, here's what this is. This isn't a message about how to manipulate God's presence in a profound way. That's easy. Lord will come play the piano. We'll dim the lights. We'll make it emotional in here. We'll give you an emotional moment. That you can manipulate God. I'm not talking about manipulating God. I'm talking about maneuvering yourself in the direction to give yourself the opportunity to experience the powerful presence of God. How did this happen in this lady's life? You understand the difference, right? Like some of you are like, how did you meet your wife? I didn't manipulate her to fall in love with me. I tried, right? And so what I did is I maneuvered myself. So in college, I knew where she, she spent her, her time in a non-creepy way. So she went to the mayor room at 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock, whatever time it was every day. I studied her. So guess what time I checked my mail? 
one o'clock. I knew what time she, she, where, where she sat in chapel, right? I knew what seat she sat in, so I started going to chapel for the very first time consistently. I, I, I knew what time she, she ran on the prayer walk at nighttime, so guess what I started doing? I started running on the prayer walk. I, I maneuvered my way in the hopes that one time she would turn around and she would go, there he is, right? There's my Prince Charming. I think you can maneuver yourself in the direction to experience the power of God. And I want to show you how she responds in Luke. He, he explains it a little bit differently. Here's what he says. It says, the woman, in verse number 47, Luke chapter 8, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, what does she do? I'm going to, it's really, she comes trembling. She falls at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she tells them why she touched him. I want to give you three steps that I've experienced in my own life that helps me to position myself in the vicinity to give myself the opportunity to experience the powerful presence of God. The first thing is this. It's really important. You got to come trembling. You, you, you got to come trembling. When, while everybody else was there for a parade. You know, they were there for the parade. I got to get near Jesus. Jesus is here. I got to see Jesus. I got to let people know I touched Jesus. I got to let people know I rubbed shoulders with Jesus. I got I to let people know Jesus touched this. Like, it's a parade. I, it's, a, it's a spectacle. There's one woman there, and she feels privileged to be in his presence to the point where literally she's trembling at the thought that she has the opportunity to just, to just touch him. Here's what I've recognized in my own life. I don't often come to church with that attitude. Do you? I don't often come into church trembling as I walk through these back doors. And, you know, my, my arrival time is a little bit different than your arrival time. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to park my car, you know, walk in and go, man, I cannot believe today I get to be in the presence of God for three services and preach his word and watch people get baptized. And, and, and in our first service, we had a young lady that got baptized in water. And, and, and she told me uh, that it was the first time that she had been underwater in years because she almost drowned. She was taking steps of faith in her fear like some of us are worried about the snot sticking out of her nose and she's stepping outside of her discomfort right and getting baptized in, in water like Jesus because he's changing her, her life I didn't walk out today going man I can't believe that I get to be in God's presence I can't believe we get to praise and worship I can't believe that we get to open up his I can't believe that we get to do what we do you come out you're like got all these things going on I got these plans like you know the Eagles are playing at 12-1 are they gonna win how you know can we stop Derrick Henry is the sound going to work today? You know, is my face going to be all messed up on camera? How's my shirt look? Is this a panther with blood on it? Yes. Why'd you wear that? Like all these, uh, like what's going on? Uh, who, who's coming to church? Who's, and you're just, you're not coming trembling. You're coming with a lot on your mind. You're, 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 you're coming entitled. Like we talked about a few weeks ago, like I'm entitled to be here. I'm entitled to God's presence. Like I deserve all this. And what, what I found is oftentimes that attitude is not conducive to experiencing the presence of God. Instead, it's coming in, in this, with this sense of trembling, like, I should not be here. I, I, I don't deserve to be in the presence of the one who created the heavens and the earth. I don't deserve his ear. I don't deserve his touch. I don't deserve his affection and his, his attention. I, I can't believe that I get to come into church and, and worship him. I can't believe it. Here's what happens because we don't come like that. I've told you for years, we treat what you treat as ordinary. You eventually take for granted. You take for granted. You eventually lose. 
So we come into this place and we treat this as very ordinary and then nothing exceptional ever happens. I did a wedding last night and uh, uh, wedding, weddings are, 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 are cool events. And so, and uh, as I've gotten older, I've appreciated them more. And so when I was a young man, they were, they were a lot of work and I was nervous. And now I start to appreciate them because you start to see people you know, the guy that got married last night and the girl, they've been part of our church for years. In fact, I was thinking back, the guy that got married when I first moved here in 2005, he was a teenager still, and he used to work out at the same YMCA that I would, I would go and, and, and exercise at. And I remember, look, his hair was really big at an afro at that time, and he was just a, you know, a young man. And so standing, standing and looking at him doing his wedding last night, it was just a really cool moment. I thought to myself, I get to be part of people's, people's lives and watch them, you know, take these really big steps. And so one of my favorite parts of of a, of a wedding is, uh, is watching the groom's response to seeing the bride for the very first time. You guys ever watch that? Like it, it, it is, it is it, somebody, one pastor told me one time, he said, he said, watch it. When you do a wedding, watch how the man looks and, 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 and responds to seeing his, his new bride for the very first time. And so everything's planned out. You know, the music changes. It's all, it's all there. It's the same girl you just saw yesterday. We just did the rehearsal. You... You know she's going to wear a white dress. It's like, it's not, this is a white dress. Like, it's not, like, I know we're like, oh, it's so different. It's just white dress, right? It's just a dress. And so, but you see this girl walk down the aisle. She comes yesterday. She came around the curtain. And uh, I was actually, in, for the first time, sitting in the crowd. And so I used to do a wedding from the front, but they wanted me to kind of stand and face them. So I was looking like this. And, and uh, I watched his response to her when she turned the corner. And what was it? It was just tears, and it was just uh, this excitement, and he went, he went, wow, and I know what he was thinking, like, wow, right, and like, I can't wait to get to the honeymoon, and like, all, like, wow, right, and even in his vows, he, before he did his vows, he was like, I got vows for you, but first thing, I just want to say, wow, right, and he just was like that, and I was like, this is just an incredible moment, and what happens when the bride sees the, 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 the husband respond like that? She, she cries, and it's just this emotional moment in, 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 in your life, and the thing is, they're just the same people that they were, but they're trembling because they're treating each other like they're more important and a bigger deal than they probably really are, right? And so you see that moment. And I thought to myself, what if we just kept doing that in marriage? What if like three months in, your wife came walking down the steps and you were at the bottom of the steps and you're just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Look at you. Look how lucky I am, right? You put on music for her, the canon in D, right? She comes walking down. What do you think your wife's response would be? No? You'd be like, yeah, boy. Let's go, right? Like, it would be like, this, you're, I love you. What if, what if the next time you came walking in and you heard the, your wife in the kitchen and, and uh, she was cooking and maybe she'd been home with the kids all day or whatever happened, you came walking in and she didn't feel real pretty and, you know, she, she, she had her hair up in a bun and it was kind of sticking out because she'd been dealing with kids and maybe she smelled a little bit like spit up or she was in her, you know, her, her comfy clothes, you know, I'm talking about guys and like all those things and you walked in, you were like, oh my gosh. How amazing you look so good in that even I'm so like what would happen in your marriage it would be like crazy it would be crazy like what do we do most time we see our wives after a few a few a few a few a few months few few years like you're not waiting for them at the bottom of steps you're at you're on the chair looking at your phone going oh my gosh how much longer is it gonna be we're late can you come down the steps? You don't walk in the house and like walk into the kitchen and you're amazed at her or wherever you see you're like hey what's for dinner again really we wonder, because we, we, we don't come trembling. It's not a big deal. Same thing happens in church. Like, what if, what, if, what if 
You had the same emotions that you had when you got saved every week you came to church. What, what if you, like, to me, this is the difference between this lady and everybody else. They're not coming trembling. Like, they feel entitled. Let me touch Jesus. I'm here. This is amazing. One woman sneaking, sneaking through. She comes, she comes trembling into the presence of Jesus. That's the first step. That's the first way you maneuver yourself into the presence of God, the power of God. Number two is this. This one's really important. You get low. You, you'll, you'll notice, you'll notice what, it, what the Bible says about her, and it says it twice in that story. Jarius, he comes to Jesus, and what does he say? He says, Jesus, heal my daughter. But did you notice what position he was in? Did you feel this? Now, I, I'm not, I told them last service I'm going to kneel. I didn't tell them first service. I said, well, I'm going to kneel again. And so, hope you got me. And so, uh, but Jarius comes to Jesus, and what position is he in? This doesn't feel manly to me at all, by the way. This feels uh, very weak. This, uh, I don't hear rap music and fighting music going on in my head in this position. Highlights of football hits, muscle, trucks, hunting. Things that make me feel manly, even though I don't do hunting or own a truck. <laughs> and Jerry's comes in the presence of God. Everybody else is there, and he just kneels. And he says, Jesus, I need your help. My daughter's dying. And the lady comes with the issue of blood that's been bleeding for 12, for 12 years, and she's desperate. She touched Jesus, tries to sneak away. Jesus feels her because he knows everything. Kind of sucks, right? And she tries to sneak away, and Jesus says, who touched me? And she comes back, and she thinks she's going to be in trouble. Because when you touch somebody and you're bleeding in the Jewish religion and society and you touch them, you've now made them unclean as well, which means they can't go to the temple and do what they need to do. And you haven't been allowed to go to the temple for 12 years. And really, you haven't had any physical contact with anybody in your family because they're also uh, Jewish and their religion says you can't, you know, bleed. You're unclean. And so, and also on top of that, nobody would have liked her because she was a bleeder and nobody would want to be around her and everybody would have kind of despised her and people would have thought God was sick of her. And so she comes and she trembles in the presence of God and, and she gets low. And here's why I think this is such an important position. I, I think kneeling is always a sign of worship. It says it in Revelation, if you read it, it says that the 24 hours, uh, 24 elders day after day, that they worship the king by kneeling and laying their crowns at, at, at his feet. It talks about this in, in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is all about worship written by a dude that's way more manly than any dude in here. Just, just being truthful. Like he, he was a warrior. But he was also really in touch with his emotions. So I still wrestle with that. And a lot of his psalms, he writes about how he needs his presence. And he kneels before his presence. And I, I remember when, uh, when the Lord called me. And uh, I, I, fe I felt his power in my life. I didn't kneel because uh, I was on steps. So if I would have kneeled, I would have fell forward. <laughs> But I remember I just, I just was on the, the seat. I hope this, can you get me right here? And I was just on the seat. And uh, I remember I had my hands like this. And people were walking all around me. I didn't even know what was going on. And tears were just coming down my eyes. And I just remember just not even knowing what to say. But just saying, thank you, God, for meeting me. 
And thank you for calling me and thank you for making me and thank you for using me. And God, thank you that you're going to work in my life. And I can't even believe you want to do this with me because I'm such an idiot. I've been an idiot my whole life. I'm insecure. I'm quiet. I'm introverted. Hanging out with people, it, it kills me. And this is the position. This is, this is the position that you meet the Lord. You meet the Lord by getting low. You meet the Lord by bowing in his presence. You, you meet the Lord by un understanding. Listen, it's humility that attracts God's presence to you. I get low, right? I come trembling. And let me just, let me just show you one more. And this one's hard. And I just want to be honest with you. Here's why this one's hard. Because we are not honest people at all. We are only honest when we have to be honest. You know what I'm talking about? Like when stuff hits the fan, we want to get real. But until stuff hits the fan, oftentimes we keep stuff to ourselves. We pretend. We're quiet. We walk into church, into God's presence, and we put a smile on our face, and we walk out because we think everybody else has it all together. We're worried about what other people are thinking about us. We don't really worship the way we should worship and come into his presence and, you know, adore him the way we should adore him because we're worried somebody's going to be judging the way we're lifting our hands or judging our singing or, or judging the way we look. And so we don't come in with this attitude. But I want to show you one more thought. She came trembling. She got low. And number three, she was honest. And I, I, I just have to, I have to put myself back in this story. How awkward was it for her to tell Jesus what was wrong with her in front of a bunch of strangers? I, I don't know, you know, what modern medicine was like at that point. There was no CVS. There's cloth diapers probably. I don't know what medicine. I don't know what she did. But I think she probably went as far as she could possibly go to hide what was going on with her. She lived her life, you know, kind of in fear. I mean, you can imagine 12 years. How many, how many moments did she have of embarrassment where she was like kind of living and then somebody was like, hey, uh, you got some blood on the back of your skirt. How many times did she run in fear? How many dinners did she say no to? How many opportunities did she turn down because she was afraid of, of people's reaction to her? What did that look like? How awkward would it have been for her to come to Jesus, touch him in trembling, and run away, come back, kneel in his presence, and for her to have to tell everybody what's wrong with her? I mean, if you ask me, I'm like, Jesus, this isn't very, there's not a lot of cooth right here. Let's go, let's go for a one-on-one -on -one meeting somewhere. But in the moment, what does she say? I've been bleeding for 12 years. I don't know what else to do. I'm sorry I touched you. I didn't know if, you know, I just thought you would heal me if I touched you. I didn't know what, what your reaction would be. I just wanted to sneak away. And what does Jesus do in this moment? I love what he says. He calls her daughter. I love that. Hey, daughter, you're healed. Go, go, go. Your, your faith has healed you. And I just am so encouraged by that. And here's why. Uh, because God's presence is always drawn to raw honesty. You, you don't have it all together. So just stop. Your marriage isn't what everybody thinks it is. I know you say it is online. You ain't fooling nobody in church. Just stop. You're not as strong as you let on. You know how I know that's true? Because it's true of me. I'm not as strong as I let on. 
I'm not as secure as I let on. I'm not as bold as I let on. I'm not who oftentimes I let on to be. In fact, a lot of times I'm cowardice. A lot of times I'm fearful. A a lot of times I feel insecure. A a lot of times I'm dealing with failure in my life. Sometimes my marriage isn't as good as it needs to be. I've, I've been married 20 years. How many know 20 years you have ups and downs? Are you tracking with me? I like to say every time she walked down the steps, I just cried, right? But you have cold and you have hot seasons. There's times in your life where you just need to come trembling into the presence of God and say, I need help. Some of you can't stop on your own. Let's just stop. You keep drinking. You keep looking at pornography. You keep doing things you shouldn't be doing. You keep telling yourself you got it all under control. You're going to stop next week. You've been doing it for 12 years. And it's just getting worse. The answer is the presence of God, the power of God. How do you experience the power of God? You come into this place understanding he can help you. You can't do it on your own. He's bigger than you. It's a good thing. You come trembling. You get low. Some of you are so worried about what's going to happen during worship. You have time to worship. You have time to get low in his presence. you got time to lift your hands, but you are so worried about the people around you. Listen, when you get into the presence of God, the real presence of God, you're not worried about anybody else. You just become undignified in his presence. That, 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 that's one of my favorite stories in scripture. David, right, this warrior guy, he killed Goliath. He slayed thousands of people. You know, he's a man's man. He, he, the presence of God comes back into Jerusalem on the Ark of the Covenant, and he loses his mind and dances around in his underwear. Now, you're not allowed to do that here, but at your home, you have free reign. You can lose your mind in the presence of God. I'm coming trembling. I'm getting low. God, I need your help. And I I found out that when when we reveal ourselves like that to the presence of God, that he's able to meet us in a profound, powerful, life changing way. When's the last time you experienced that type of power in your life? There's more. I just I just felt that. Some people wonder, what's the, what's the missing ingredient in the church in America? What's the missing, missing ingredient? What's, what's, what's happening? Why is the church shrinking? Is it theology? Is it politics? Is it, is it, is it, is it schools Are they destroying the church? Is it this? I'll I, I tell you what the missing ingredient for most Christian people in America is. It's the presence of the powerful, life-changing God. It's, it's our services are dry. Our prayer lives are empty. Our prayer closets, the door's still locked. Our Bibles stay closed. We, 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 we don't experience God in a, profa- a powerful way because we don't seek his face. We don't hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so my, my prayer is over the next few weeks and as we go into 2022, that this would kind of be a reversal in our church, that we would begin to seek a taste of heaven in our services. That you don't come here without expectation in your heart. That you expect God to meet you here and do something profound. And here's something cool. He can handle his expectations. Are you tracking with me? He can meet you here every week. He can do something profound. He can change your life. He can break your addiction. He can heal your marriage. He can set you free if you would just come into his presence. You get low. You come trembling. And you're honest. You're honest. Would you stand to your feet all over this place and... Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And I wonder how honest you would, you would, you would be willing to be today. We're going to keep playing? You're going to keep pretending everything's okay? You're going to keep worrying about the person to your right or left? 
That was one, when, that, when, I, when I was there. It was the, one of the very first times as a teenager uh, when, when God met me there that I could care less about anybody else. And that was big for me because I struggled mightily with being impressive to people. So when he met me there, and it was literally, there was thousands of kids, but there was no one else in that arena in that moment to me except for God and me. So why don't we just push everybody else away? And I know they're physically here, but why don't we just ask the Lord to get us to the point we're not even thinking about them. Some of you uh, live dry, empty, powerless lives. You know God, but you've never experienced him. You have a head knowledge, and that's it. You know the right things to say, you know the right things to do. You do them even, and you say them because you think that's what's expected and required of you to get to heaven. You have an underappreciation of the gospel. You're not as aware of the sinner that you are and the need for grace that you have, and so you live a very religious life. You're actually proud of yourself. Jesus tells a story about a Pharisee and a tax collector in the Gospels. He says, one person who was, uh, they were resolved in their standing with God, came to, came to temple and prayed a prayer like this. Thank you, God, that I'm not like one of them, the tax collector, the prostitute, and the sinner. And he was impressed with himself. He said, another guy, a tax collector, came into the temple and beat his chest, the Bible says. And he was fully aware of all the wrong that he had done and what he deserved. Jesus asked the question, which one of you, which one of them do you think went away in right standing with God? And his point was, it's the tax collector who was honest and real with himself and was not impressed with himself. And I just, I just want to pray an, an atmosphere both here in Montgomeryville of honesty, that it would sweep this place. That if you can't be honest in church, if you can't admit that you need help, if you can't call on the name of your Savior, if you can't lean on Him as your marriage is crumbling, as your addiction is overtaking you, if you can't be that honest with yourself here, what hope do we have? He's here. The Bible says this about the presence of God. It says he's an ever-present help in a time of need. He's an ever-present help in a time of need. He's here. So instead of taking it for granted, let's, in this moment, let's just come almost trembling in his presence. Father, thank you for meeting us in this moment. Maybe you don't physically kneel there in your seats because there's no room, but maybe you just position yourself in a humble way before the Lord. Maybe when you get home, you just go into a room and you just turn on some praise and worship music and you just draw the shades so that the rest of the world is closed out and you just for the very first time kneel in the presence of God and you say, God, I need help. I can't stop doing what I'm doing. I can't change on my own. And you're honest. You're honest. And it's in those steps that you maneuver yourself towards the powerful presence of God. And listen, that's what we need in this church. Not better preaching, 
not more powerful worship, not cooler stage lights, not better kids' rooms, not more comfortable seats, not organic coffee. We need the power of God to show up in our services week after week after week. And maybe as we, we ask God to move, maybe you're here today, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know Jesus. Like we start talking about Jesus, like I don't have a relationship with Jesus. What am I supposed to do? The message of the gospel is that God sent Jesus to this earth to save people, you and me. That Jesus would live till 33, that he would die on a cross for our sins, that he willingly laid his life down for us. Now when he sacrificed his life and he shed his blood, that he did it for the atonement of our sin, the debt of our sin. So you understand what our debt was. The Bible says that the wages of our sin, the debt that we owed was, was death and hell. But Jesus died on the cross. And the Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord for anyone who calls on him shall be saved. Anyone, any situation, any background, any amount of shame, all of your baggage, if you would just stop and call on him, he'll meet you. Jesus, come into my life. What are you believing in? You're believing in the resurrection. Not only did Jesus die, but the Bible says that he was placed in a tomb, and on the third day he rose in power, and he defeated both death and hell, and he ascended to heaven, and he sits in a place of authority over your life, and he intercedes for you, and he's calling you by name to come home. He knows you better than you know yourself. His plans for you are bigger than any plans you've ever had. He has purpose. He wants a relationship with you. The same way that he met me on the steps in the Hershey Arena over 20 years ago. He'll meet you right here in this moment if you just let him. He's knocking at the door of your heart. Would you let him in? I need help. I need help. I need healing. I need grace. I need forgiveness. I need Jesus Christ. If that's you all over this place and you say, hey, that's me, I'm going to be honest enough with myself to admit that I can't live life on my own anymore. I've tried it. I've searched and I haven't found. I'm living an empty, shallow, uh, a nowhere life right now. And I need Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. All over our houses, if you would say, that's me. Don't worry about the person to your right or left. Just you and just God. I need a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Would you put your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, that's me, pastor. I need Jesus to heal me. I see a hand right here. Is there anybody else? I see a hand right here. Yep. Another hand back here. Another hand. Yeah, come on. There's still hands going up. Let's keep clapping. Another hand. Yeah, yeah. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? A few more hands in the front right here. If you're in Montgomeryville, would you just keep your hand held high? And would you just begin to pray? Would you just begin to pray all over this house? Let's pray something just like this. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for coming to this earth to save us. Jesus, I believe and what you did for me on that cross, I believe that you rose from the dead in power, and it's through you that I'm forgiven, and I become a brand new person. Jesus, my past is dead and gone. Today's a brand new day for me. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. All over our houses, let's shout amen together. Let's clap together one more time. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, 
or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.